G'day, welcome to Dad Pod. I'm Osher Ginsberg. That is Charlie Clawson. Hello, Charlie. Hello. Hello. We are two dads who started a podcast before our kids were born about nearly three years ago now because we couldn't hear any podcasts that were by dads that sounded like us. Uh, they were like more too busy talking about sport and getting out of dadding. There wasn't enough like kind of engaged dad <laughs> podcast stuff. So we started one. We've been going for a couple of years now. There's heaps of episodes to check out no matter what stage of your parenting journey you're on. Uh, there's heaps, heaps of episodes to check out. Plenty of experts, plenty of takeaways. Uh, really grateful you made it here to this show. How are you this week, Charlie? You are still, uh, your wife's still away for work? Yeah, Jem's still uh, working down in Melbourne. We went to visit her for the weekend and then uh, I came back on my own with Iona and that was my first, well, firstly, the first time I've flown in about a year, uh, but definitely the first time I've gone through an airport solo with a toddler. And let me tell you, <laughs> that is that is not a fun experience. We caught the very first flight out of Melbourne that we could and I thought we'll get there nice and early, be a bit quiet because we're getting the first flight. Let me tell you, it was not early. It feels like the airlines are still catching up to the fact that people are now wanting to fly again. So I think we got there about 6 a.m. and the airport was absolutely packed. And uh, Iona, has um, her favorite game at the moment is hide and seek. Oh, no. That's all well and good when we're in our house, which I know very well. But when you've got a toddler who likes to play hide and seek in an airport- A crowded one. That is filled with thousands of oh, people- God. It's uh, it can be some heart stopping moments. So it's like that moment at, by the pool at Minority Report. It's every time it terrifies me. Yeah, and the thing too is like I actually got there early, and I probably needed an extra hour on oh. top of that. Just we we had enough time by the time we actually checked our bags and and you know this is not to boast but you know I was able to use uh you know I'm a gold class member so I was able to use the express lane to get my bags checked in I was able to get lounge access and even with all that privilege osh I was still on the hop like the lines are so long that I just got my bags in time and then there's all those other things you have to do as well it's like you need to you know take them to the toilet and I need to make sure she had to change the clothes and because we left so early I kind of put her into the car in her pajamas foolishly thinking that when we get to the airport I'll oh, be enough time that I can go to the lounge maybe even have a coffee osh and then I'll change my daughter into her clothes no it was a case of bags are checked in bolt to the lounge see if I can grab her some toast to jam in her mouth while I quickly change her didn't even really have time to go to the bathroom to change her on one of those change tables I'm changing her in the lounge on the seat she She's fighting me. I'm trying to pull on socks and pants and undies and stuff like that. And then they're calling the flight. I'm like, okay, great. And then I see what gate they've called me to. And because I live in a regional area, I'm taking a regional aircraft, which means they put you at the arse end of the airport. So then I don't even get to use the kind of express lounge security lane. I have to get back out and bolt down the airport. And this is when Iona decides that she wants to look at every single thing in the airport. She wants to look at every poster. She wants to hide behind every bin. She wants to step into the doorways. And I'm like, kid, please, come on, come on, come on. And it's one of those... Have you ever found this situation with Wolf where it's like he doesn't want to walk, but you trying to pick him up is almost like a bigger tantrum than if you just like let them walk? And so you sort of weigh up your mind. Do I just tuck her under my arm and just sprint and put up with the the cat clawing at me as we get there? Or do I just try and like coach her? Come on, let's walk faster, walk faster. So in the end, I was like, you're getting tucked under my arm. So then we yeah. get through security. Iona insisted that each Teddy had to go through separately. I couldn't just like whack her in the backpack. She had to take them out of the backpack and put them through the security. We got the security. Security is miles away from the gate. So then we have to get through the food court. Then we have to get into R1. Right. So we're 
it was probably like a 700 meter walk to get to the gate. Which and I've is, got is it's eight kilometers in, in toddler travel. In, in toddler travel. So I had my back, my backpack, her backpack and a travel case and a nappy bag and her. And like, I am, I don't know, like they weight balance plane. So you don't tip. I was yeah. definitely not weight balanced properly. Yeah. Like I'm swinging around trying to get her through. Yeah. I was just waiting for you to get to the scale at the check-in gate where they go, well, it's too big. You were just about to go, don't fuck with me today, lady. Not today. Oh, and also, Osh, I have small ears. And so keeping a mask on my face at the best of times is a challenge. Keeping a mask on my face while I've got like a struggling toddler and all these bags to carry as well. It's like my mask kept slipping off and I kept like trying to like adjust it back while, you know, keeping a backpack in my hands. We finally got onto the plane and I was like frazzled, just like covered, drenched in sweat, just like, oh boy. The one investment I made that I would encourage every parent to do, and look, I know we would rather our kids do arts and crafts and coloring books and stuff, but sometimes you just need to give them an iPad just so you can catch your breath. The one thing that I bought was some uh, kids' headphones because on the flight down, she didn't have headphones and she wanted to watch the iPad. And I was like, oh, maybe this bluey is kind of like getting annoying to the other people on the plane. They don't need to hear what my child is watching. But not only are the headphones great for obviously, you know, cancelling the sound out, but these noise limited headphones, so they're safe for kids. It gave Iona something to play with and, and something to explore in that moment of, of getting settled on the plane so I could put our luggage away, so I could put her seatbelt on, so I could make sure that we're all ready to go. They were awesome. 25 minutes, I reckon, we ate up just with her unwrapping the cord, plugging the cord in, getting the cord into the yeah. iPad, like adjusting the volume, all this kind of stuff. It was Brilliant. I don't know if this will, how long this will last. Yeah. I'm, I'm planning on holding back on the headphones only for travel. Like I don't want to give them her to play with at home because I don't want it to become too passe. I want it to be like a, a treat every time. That's a very clever idea. And you say 25 minutes, that's an eon. That's an oh eon. Oh, my God. But we made it back. We're back. Yeah. We're back home now, and uh, I'm just in. I'm I'm doing the solo dad thing, and it's all yeah. going well. How's your week been? Well, Rush? look, for a start, I'm thinking – for what you just did with Iona, the last time we did that with Wolf, even though he's never uses it, we still whip out the yo-yo. We still whip out the little oh, yeah. folding, foldy stroller, and which is good because that's the only one he fits now. Because the upper baby, we I think we did four episodes on strollers. The uh, the upper baby stroller, <laughs> I try, he doesn't fit it anymore. He's just he's like mm. a giant. He's like Andre the Giant sitting in a. You know, it's just no <laughs> two seats takes no up a whole good. row. It's no good. This week's been a bit rough for Wolf. He uh, well, all of us actually. He had a you know just daycare snot, but the daycare snot found its way into his lungs. And so he started Ugh. getting a bit of a rattly cough and then it started to be quite a productive cough and it started to keep him up at night and then nobody's sleeping and it got real rough. So, you know, ruled out COVID. There was a tickle test. He's really good with his tickle tests now. So we ruled out COVID. We did some telehealth and he got prescribed puffers, an orange one, which I believe is some sort of steroid kind of anti-inflammatory one, and uh, a blue one, which is like the regular blue puffer that most people have. So the one of the orange one he had to have twice a day, and the blue one he had to have as symptomatic relief when his coughs were getting really bad. Mm. Now, I'm nearly fifty. I've you know I've lived with cats, I live with dogs, uh, I live with toddlers. I had two cats for a long time. I lived with two cats, and they were big bastards. Anyone who's ever given a pill to a cat a worming tablet or something like that, <laughs> will know that it is, uh, you are essentially going into, it's like if Jean-Claude Van Damme shows up at your house with the kickboxer glass gloves, all right? That's it. They're just like, 
razor blade claws and if you haven't got your shit together, they will fucking eviscerate you while you're trying to literally save their life. Come on, cat. <laughs> this pill will stop a worm from eating you from the inside. I'm trying to keep you alive, but they don't give a shit. But my skills of giving pills to cats was actually really good by the end of it. I got really, really good. I thought that that's about as violent a medical intervention as I'm ever going to have to do as a human. Like I'm never going to have to deal with the pain, the blood, the screaming until I had to give Wolf a puffer. All right. Giving a kid a puffer is really, really hard. What is the puffer? What does it look like? What are you dealing with? Well, you know, like a, an aspirin inhaler, right? You see people go, they put it in their mouth, they breathe in, they puff it as they're breathing in, they hold it, they let it out, all right? As an adult, the timing is a really easy thing to get. As a kid, the timing is a really easy thing to get. As a toddler, different story altogether. So you have to use a thing called a spacer, which is a, it's about the size of a uh, paper towel tube. You put the puffer in one end and the, it's got the same mouthpiece as the puffer on the other end of it. Now, for bigger kids, they can use that because it gives them a little more space. They can puff it and then they just breathe normally and it helps them. They don't have to get the timing so perfect. The coordination is easier. With toddlers, you actually have to get a mask, which looks like it's like the kind of mask that you would put on, you know, someone gets in an ambulance, get the oxygen on him. Looks like that. But it goes on the yeah. front. So it's a three-part yeah. system, puffer, for spacer, mask. We tried to demonstrate it for Wolf. Here's what it's going to be like. Because we play boo all the time. We, we hide from each other and go boo. And we go, and we do that. So it was like boo. So we we're trying to get him to do his big, big pretend I'm, I'm shocked breath. And he was into it. He was into it. He's into it. The moment the mask comes near his face, chaos, chaos. Mm. What ended up having to happen, we needed two of us. I needed to hold him. Uh, he had to sit on my lap. I had to not kind of cross my legs. So my leg was over his legs. Um, with one hand, hold him around his his waist, trapping his arms, and then holding his head really tight onto my chest so he couldn't move his head at all. And Audrey had to do the puff. Oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah, it's really intense. And because he's, like, screaming, and rightly so, because he's being restrained against, restrained against as well, you've got to give them, like, five or six hits of the puffer, of the blue puffer, to make sure that one hit's worth of medicine gets into him. But the good news is, Charlie, apparently the doctor told us that, oh, in all the screaming and the yelling, when they go, they're actually breathing in and that's good. Yeah. Yeah, it's the same thing a skydiving instructor will tell you when you fall out of the plane, make sure you scream because then you'll involuntarily take air back in. <laughs> the real shit part of it though, man, because we had to do this at least three times a day, it started to be like every time he even saw the puffer on the desk, he started to freak out. And... Mm. He it, brilliantly, very clever young man. He started to find the spacer and then disassemble it and put the pieces in different places. He was like, he's being really crafty about the whole. He's a very clever <laughs> like young a man. Reverse, like a reverse sniper. He's yeah. just like dismantling it. In he like was. Five and then seconds. it's like puffer time. We'd have to go and find all the bits because he'd be pulling it apart. So he'd, very clever little kid. But I yeah, it's very clever. You know, the the distress of giving him the medicine is it's harder on Audrey, but it still was shit. But I, I don't yeah. know if there's a I don't know if there's a better way to do it. Maybe there's a, a trick to it. I, I don't know. Like he'd try really hard, man. He'd like in the in the breaks, like he would start to get after a few days, he started to kind of get bunny and do it with bunny. And he'd hold oh, bunny's yeah. face into the mask and go, puffer time, boo. And he'd be playing the game with bunny. So he's trying to get it, but still when rubber meets the road, chaos. Yeah. And it's so hard. But it's better, better than him getting pneumonia. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, if only if only there was a doctor on the show that we could talk to mm. about this. Uh, oh, actually, uh, Dr. Anthea Rhodes is coming up uh, after the break, so maybe we can ask her how to probably apply a puffer. We'll, we'll talk to her. We've got your, got a couple of questions from listeners on the way. Uh, askdadpod at gmail.com if you want to write to us. We'll get right to it. Shelly, real simple one, really simple ask. Shelly has asked, don't you get annoyed with all the stupid questions? Is she talking about the listeners or the, or the toddlers? <laughs> the toddlers. I think the toddlers. I think the kids. Do you get annoyed? Uh, I, I, I'm the last person to complain about stupid questions. Even before we had a child, Gemma would say to me, my God, like you ask more questions than any man I've ever met in my life. Um, not at this stage. Like I think it depends on what else you are doing. Yesterday, parenting solo, trying to, uh, I was texting with you. I was trying to approve an edit on another job. I was, uh, had my agent calling me about another job. And that was where the questions were annoying. Cause I'm like, can you just give me like 10 seconds so I can read this text from Osh and respond to him? Can you just, so I, I think it depends on the circumstances, you know, that you're in, but the stupid questions, they're a kid. <laughs> I mean, of course the questions are all, it's the first time she's seen certain things. Like I can't go, yeah. oh my God, you've never seen a giraffe before, you idiot. They have long necks so they can eat leaves from trees. No, like I think you've got to be a bit more generous with your time and that. Uh, look, I don't know. I, I, I find the questions kind of endearing. I, I guess what's annoying is the, rep the repetition yeah. of questions that you've already answered. Yeah. You know, like Iona will ask you, what's that? And you'll explain it. And then she'll say, what's that? And you'll explain it again. Yeah. And she'll say, what's that? And like, did you not understand yeah. the first explanation? Yeah. So yes, look, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I don't get annoyed. Of course I do. But in the grand scheme of things, it, it is a small complaint over what, a, what, what the many the many other things I have to complain about yeah. as a parent. The questions probably ranks quite low. We went to a dinner, early dinner the other night, all four of us. It was really great. Uh, so Georgia... Wolf, Audrey and I went to dinner and we we're on the way back for dinner. So we'd already, I think we'd already bathed him. And so we we're on the way back from dinner, you know, at the generous time of, you know, whatever, 6.30. We're driving home. It wasn't far. Like I only got three or four k's away. And, and he asked, so what's that? And I said, oh, that's, I don't know, that's the bus stop. Why? And Audrey and I looked at each other. And I'm like, oh my God, here it comes. Because that's where the buses stop. Why? Because not everybody has a no. car. Why? And we looked at each other going, oh, here it comes. And from that <laughs> moment, that's been it. And they just never stop. Shelley, what I've had to do is reframe this. I am simply pretending that my son, Wolf, is uh, like a Dalai Lama, an <laughs> incarnation of the famous <laughs> Japanese industrialist, Sakeshi Toyota, who created the Toyota company. And brilliantly, one of his extraordinary uh, feats of invention was the five whys technique, which is how he, he created this thought process. It's um, deductive reasoning to help them come to the root cause of a problem. That famously, if you ever want to know what caused something, ask why five times. And it's brilliant and it works. See, if you have to be really honest, you can ask that about why did my relationship break up or where are my car keys? As long as you ask why five times, you'll probably get to the root cause of a problem and prevent it from happening again if you take action. So yeah, whenever he keeps asking why, I'm like, oh, thank you, Sakeshi. Here we go. <laughs> that's how I, and I try as hard as I can. Oh, I try as hard as I can to get him there. I quite enjoy, and this is, you know, probably specific to me alone, but I actually quite enjoy being forced to question stuff that I've not questioned before. Yeah. Like sometimes they'll point something out to you and they'll go, why is this thing like that is? And you're like, 
that's a good point. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> like, why is that thing like that? Yeah. I mean, we, we've been reading a lot of Dr. Zeus recently, and she yeah. was like, why green eggs and ham? And I'm like, I actually don't yeah. know. I mean, I guess the, the, the story is really a metaphor about trying new things, and, and but, yep. but why green eggs and ham? And so as soon as she went to sleep, I went onto Wikipedia. I'm like, oh, okay. So it's really, because green is a very, uh, has an, uh, is an appealing color to, to children. And yeah. at the time, like ham and eggs was a very common breakfast. And so there's a whole, so next time she asked me, I'm like, well, let me tell you about Dr. <laughs> Zeus. You know, it's yeah. issues with racism. But apart from that, let me tell you about Dr. Seuss. Yeah, we, we, I, think, I don't know if we talked about this, but the Dr. Seuss books in our in our house, they're kind of in the back. That we've kind of yeah, 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 no, they're a bit intense for him. But know, yeah. So yeah. Shelley, I hope that answers your question. It, it's going to be okay. They're not stupid questions. And if anything, they force you to kind of look at the world in a different way, which is a good thing because getting set in your ways is, is probably just because you've always done it doesn't mean it's always the best thing to do, Shelley. And that something you you know you really come to grips with every hour from the moment of birth <laughs> until probably well she's 18 now so it still goes so thanks very much uh you can always find us dadpod gram email is easy askdadpod at gmail.com dr anthea rhodes is standing by she had a uh, lab coat on the last time we spoke to her and it made me instantly think of the authority that she wielded because uh there was a lab coat was it a lab coat or a scanlon and theodore jacket it looked like a lab coat so i'm calling it a lab coat um, <laughs> so we'll see what kind of visual authority she presents today we'll be right back Charlie, I'm so excited to welcome back our very, very special guest. Uh, last time she was on the show, she had the lab coat. This time she's on the show, even more authority, even more kind of like underwriting of the foundation of the truth of her words. There's a stethoscope yeah, around the wow. neck. Dr. Anthea Rhodes is a very serious pediatrician, researcher, <laughs> and child health advocate at the Royal Children's <laughs> Hospital in Melbourne. She's a mum of four kids. She's got the Kids Health Info podcast, which is out everywhere podcasts are. Dr. Anthea Rhodes, thank you so much for joining us, clearly from your very busy practice this morning. Good morning, Osha. I am actually consulting from this room via telehealth today, although obviously I would not be listening to anyone's heart remotely, but just for you, I have put the stethoscope on to prove I am legit. But it's instantly, like the only thing that would make you more legit was a little upside down watch. I think that's the only what? thing. We should bring those back. So good. Charlie, the upside down watch? When they're doing the pulses? Yeah, I like that. Yeah, it's before these things, before the pulse oximeters. Oh, wow. I know doctors aren't allowed to smoke anymore, but a pipe, I think, would really give you, that would just complete the look of authority if you just had like a pipe. My dad used to consult with a pipe. Definitely no vaping either. And there's a topic I would love to come back and talk about another day because that is actually a big exploding problem in among our kids here in Australia. Exploding in more ways than one. Exploding alveoli all over the country. Totally is. Very serious, though. I'll sure it is, seriously. It's super, super serious. Uh, This week has been a bit hectic for us, Dr. Rhodes. Wolfie had a, you know, daycare. He's got the daycare, you know, sniffles. His immune system's just getting to know the world. And the clear boogers, uh, Luca is the Fijian word for uh, snot. So Luca Luca was, you know, big, big, big. And then it got down into his chest and he was doing these coughs. And then they got more and more rattly. And I was like, oh, man, it started to keep him up all night. And he was waking up all night. So we had to do a telehealth because it's a cough and cold. No fever, negative on his tickle test. So he hasn't got COVID. Puffers. We were prescribed Mm -hmm. puffers. Two, one orange one twice a day and one blue one right before bed and if he needed it. Mm -hmm. I have in my past as a former cat owner have given a worming tablet to a cat. And I thought 
that would be about the hardest medication administration I'd ever have to give until I tried to give a puffer to a toddler. With the spacer, <laughs> with the mask, yep. it was utterly heartbreaking. Is there any simpler way to do it than having the two of us, me holding him, just restraining him like in a <laughs> in a serial killer movie while Audrey administers the thing? Is there any better way to do it? Look, do you know, it sounds like your technique's not bad, Osha. It's not bad. And it might be really <laughs> helpful for anyone out there listening to know straight off the bat that we have some amazing videos on the Royal Children's Hospital website for this exact purpose, to literally show you and talk you through how to wrangle the puffer, the spacer, the toddler, the mum and dad in a way that actually means the medicine gets into the lungs. But it is not straightforward. One thing that's really important, people often feel obviously a bit concerned by the fact that their child might get so distressed and might be sort of gasping and crying. They are getting a lot of air into the lungs with those big breaths. So even though it's not fun, it's still working. So that's an important thing to reassure you of. As you've described, having your child with their back to you so that you can actually hold them and hold the puffer and spacer on is the best way to actually do it, but it is not easy. And, you know, toddlers are pretty strong. It's like wrangling an octopus. It can be done, and the spacer is a really important part of that whole picture because it actually means that what's coming out of the inhaler sits in that spacer and then the child can breathe it in and out over a few breaths. Yeah, it wasn't fun. It wasn't fun for anyone. And what was what was really intense about it, guys, is that Wolfie started to learn that if he if he got his hands free, he'd just clasp them over his mouth like this. Yeah. Because then he started to now use this around food because his food refusal is off the charts right now. Uh, so now he's doing this. He knows that if I do this, you can't put stuff in my mouth. And so now he's got a new, you know, skill. A new, yeah. So yeah. It, it, so I think there just to jump in on that one too because the the tricky thing with the spacer and puffer is you're going to have to give it a few times usually so obviously there might be that moment where you're first administering it but then it's like okay you've got to do this again in a few hours time and if it goes badly the first time you know it's going to be even harder the second time and when it comes to eating obviously you have to do that many times every day for the rest of your life so when you set up a situation where things are really hard for everyone it then creates an even bigger challenge next time. So there are a few things that can help with that as well. And that, as much as it might seem a bit crazy, trying to get a little bit of understanding from your toddler, so from Wolfie as to what's going on, it can be helpful sometimes to actually model it. So perhaps you and your partner can have some, you know, pretend spacer time so that he can actually see what's happening. He can see the mask going onto your face and that you're okay. Sometimes we might do that on a toy or a a doll or, you know, his teddy, yeah. those things can actually take away some of that fear because if you imagine as a little child something's coming at you and everyone's holding you down and it's on your face, there's a real sense of fear and panic and then that makes everything worse. So yeah. try and approach it with a bit of a demonstration, try and get him on board. Probably not worth setting up huge rewards for anything that you have to do multiple times, but definitely lots of praise, hugs, maybe even a stick out when it goes well can mean that it's not so hard next time. Yeah. Absolutely. That's oh well. I'm, I was expecting to get on this call and have you go, mate. You fucked it up. You're going to be going into the psychology for the next twenty years of his life. But it sounds like, oh no, that's the same thing that happens to everyone. Phew. Happens all the time. And tomorrow's another day, Osha. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, you flagged the food refusal there. So that's a whole nother challenge yeah. and super, super common yeah. when it comes to toddlers. So so often people will say, oh great, I've got an eater. So you've got that happy little chubby six 
eight, nine, ten-month-old who sits up and opens their mouth and in shovels the food. Nana's happy. Everyone's happy that you've got an eater because there's this sense in our culture and many cultures that, you know, you've got to feed kids and kids need to eat. And if that's happening, great. That's one of those big successes for parenting. Alongside sleep, that's a whole other conversation. But then all of a sudden along comes the toddler and that's a different beast altogether. So a whole part of being a toddler is learning that you're in charge, that you can have cause and effect. You do something and something else happens. You know, you say something and someone reacts and you can interact with the world. A big way that kids can control something every single day, multiple times a day, is around food. And so it's really normal for toddlers to become fussy and picky about what they'll eat. It's very hard to predict which day something's going to fly and which day it's not. It's very common that you need to present a new food as many times as 12, 13, 14, even 15 times before a child will actually eat it. 15. 15. That's, uh, oh, yeah. that's, that's higher. That's, uh, <laughs> that's a higher number than oh. I expected. <laughs> that's a lot of food on the floor. If you haven't got a dog to eat it, that's a lot of cleaning up. So, you know, but importantly, just sticking at it. So when something's presented, that might just mean they see you eat it. It's not even on their plate. You know, they're up at the table in the high chair, they're watching it and that can happen every day and then eventually it might be put in front of them and then they look at it, they might throw it on the floor, they might touch it, they might lick it. You just keep presenting things. And I think one of the other really important things is they don't have to be fancy things. Toddlers can eat what the regular family diet is. Obviously, I don't know what your regular family diet is, but assuming that it's a fairly typical healthy diet, then it's okay for toddlers to have that food. There's a bit of confusion we found in our research through the RCH poll that 40% of parents think toddlers need something different or special in order to be, you know, growing well and for their development to be as good as it can be. That's not actually true. That is just a big marketing ploy that gets people out there in that supermarket aisle full of things thinking, I better buy this, I better get that. Regular family food, offer it up lots of times, eventually your child will eat it. It's not easy and it's not fun. Yeah, your total needs four servings of chocolate yogurt per day, as according to a recent poll of people in our office. Yeah, <laughs> you got to you got to read that stuff. You really got to read that stuff pretty well. Yeah, absolutely. So, no fussy eating is part of toddlers controlling the world. Now, Anthea, if I could just ask you to take off the stethoscope for a moment and put on the mother hat, <laughs> I have a question uh, as a mother of four and you have a toddler in your house at the moment. I uh, just recently uh, did some interstate travel on my own with a toddler and it was uh, a challenging experience to say the least. I own her especially, uh, her favourite game at the moment is hide and seek. Oh man! And what I've worked out at an airport <laughs> is there's lots of places to hide. So when you're checking bags in, when you're looking for your, your boarding passes and you take your eyes off that toddler for one second, you look up and all of a sudden it's like there's a million places to hide. In your experience, can you give me as a, as a new dad some tips on how you get toddlers through an airport safely? And that's even before you get on the plane. So you're just talking about the that's airport. The Once plane. you get on we'll the get plane, that. that's a whole yeah. other, other story. And, you know, you're probably <laughs> yeah. thinking you didn't want to be that parent with your child on a leash. I'm just guessing, you know, that that is out there. It, it's even the backpack with the tail that looks like a monkey. You know, yeah. there are options. And for some kids and some parents choose that they actually, you know, they want to be able to restrain their child in that way. But 
that may not be what you're looking for. So there are a few things. If you have got a way to keep your child a bit contained, then in all seriousness, that is helpful. So you can get a stroller onto carry-on luggage in most flights, or sometimes they'll check it for you at the gate. So really practical tip. I have traveled a lot with, with my kids, including when they're little. Get a cheap, light, easy travel stroller and clip them in that. Give them something to keep them occupied. It might be a snack. We've just been talking about foods. It might be a book, a toy, something, so that they're busy and they're content and they're contained and you've, you can wheel them to the gate. So that would be a great option if that works for you. Some people are also happy to carry their kids in a carrier, so on your back or on your front, you know, the baby Bjorn or another version of some sort of carrier for kids can be a great option at the airport because it means your hands are free, you know where your child is, they're restrained, and, you know, you can actually get on and do what you need to do. But outside of those things, there's also just keeping them occupied and keeping them busy. So eyes on wherever you can and actually having a few things for them to do will really help you to keep them engaged and pass the time. But it's not easy. Travelling with little kids is not easy. (laughs) Well, I also found that uh, she had her like her safety teddy. So she's got her bunny and her teddy, her two toys. And each one of them had to go through security separately. She wasn't prepared for them just to carry them through. It's like they had to go. She wanted them to get checked by security. And like, kid, this flight is leaving in 20 minutes. We have to get to the gate. We made it. We made it on time. The actual flight itself was okay. But it was just getting, and of course, the gate happened to be the furthest gate from where we checked in as well. Like it was, if I had known how far we were going to have to walk, I would have brought the stroller, but I didn't realize, and it's been a while, I'll be honest, since I've traveled, that I forgot how big airports are. And when you're trying to lug her backpack, my backpack, a carry-on case, and a toddler who keeps running and hiding behind bins in doorways, it's like, we're never going to get there. We might as well make this our new home. Yeah. And that's the moment where it's, I walk, I walk, you know, they don't want to be carried. They want to do it themselves. It's going to happen. And again, toddlers know, they really pick up on your emotions and experiences. So if you're stressed and running late and rushing, they're going to just want to slow down even more and everything seems to get harder. So all those boring practical things, give yourself extra time. If you're going to the airport and you're taking a child with you, you're going to need longer than the days where you just wandered in and, you know, sat down and maybe even had a a read of something while you were at the gate. Like it's going to be a survival exercise. You need to be prepared. So take food, take the special friends as you talked about. There isn't one, of course. There has to be four. There's got to be Teddy, Daddy, Dolly, all of them. And give yourself time so that you're not under too much pressure because kids pick up on pressure and stress and then they dysregulate too. And before you know it, you're both having a tantrum, you know, 10 metres away from the gate. Before you leave, it's pertinent that we we kind of ask this because of vaccinations have been in everyone's mind the last couple of years. But importantly, the annual vaccination oh, around flus they? and wow. things like you've never heard of this. You live in the northern rivers. You've never you're northern New South Wales. You've no. never heard of vaccinations. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah, surprisingly, uh, not in the northern rivers. Surprisingly, not vaccination. Up what a shock! Yeah. Charlie has terrible internet because someone burned down the five G tower near his house. Anyway, um, <laughs> it's true. It's sad. But it's true. So scared. They must be so scared around vaccinations. Uh, I'm someone who has had a flu vaccine most years uh, since I started my, my professional career and it's been really, really helpful to help me keep working. When it comes to vaccinations and flu vaccines for kids, what's the go there? Is it something that we should be thinking about? Absolutely. I'm so glad you brought this up, Osher, and that we've got time to just quickly talk about it because it is so important. People are feeling pretty fatigued when it comes to vaccination. You know, we're sort of sick of thinking about it, sick of hearing about it. Maybe you might be thinking you don't want to put your kids through another jab. But I really do want to take this moment to talk about flu 
and the flu vaccine because it is really important for kids. We have not really had any flu in our community for about two years because we all hid away in our houses and, you know, flu couldn't spread around just like COVID wasn't spreading around as much as we could control it. And also because people didn't travel and that's really where the flu comes from. It comes back and forth from overseas and, you know, moves around the globe. People might not realise that flu is and can be a very serious illness in kids, particularly young kids, those kids under five, quite different from COVID. And most years we have some kids get very sick and end up in intensive care. And sadly, sometimes kids even still do die from the flu. So I absolutely urge parents to get out there and get the flu vaccine for their kids. It's free for children between six months and five years of age. You can get it from your local GP or some, you know, local council setups. For kids that are a bit older, above 10, you can get it in pharmacies as well. Remembering that like any infectious disease, and we've learned a lot about these things in the last couple of years, the best way to protect anyone is for the whole community to be covered. So get yourself vaccinated for the flu, get the grandparents vaccinated for the flu, and absolutely get in there and get the young kids vaccinated for the flu as soon as you can. And just real quick, you mentioned earlier, we talked about body positioning for for puffers. Is there a particular way to hold the- uh, Not like a serial killer would be my, uh, my yeah, tip. Yeah, like I-, I- Wrangling Wolfie is like trying to land a, a, a forty kilo tuna into a tinny. Like that's what that's what I feel like with my hands. Like that's what, like if he doesn't want something to happen, like I got to be careful. Is there a way to hold a toddler that works best for these sorts of things? Yeah, so you can be guided by whoever's giving the vaccine. So most people giving the vaccines will have some great tips about holding and there are different ways that can work well. So having your child, koala is where they face and hug into you and then you can actually administer, the vaccine can be administered to their arms. Sometimes you might have them side on with a, a big bear hug or even facing away. So there are a few different ways that it can be done where they feel safe and contained rather than kind of held against their will and that's a you know a bit of a fine line sometimes the other thing that's really really important is distraction 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 so when it comes to giving a vaccine to a young child the amount of pain they experience is actually pretty small you know we've all had vaccinations it's a jab and a scratch and there's a feeling there but they experience far more painful things probably falling over you know scraping their knee at the playground the thing that creates the distress for them often is actually everyone around them the lead up and sometimes the holding mm. and the fact that they don't know what's going to happen so if you can have your child safely kind of contained on your lap it might be a matter of choosing which parents best to do this as well. It's not always who you might think. Have a chat about it and, and decide, you know, who's going to be calmer and maybe the best person to be there. And then have some distraction. Bubbles are amazing. You know, $2 from the $2 shop, a little wow. thing of bubbles. If you can be blowing the bubbles, you will often find the child does not even notice that the vaccine has happened. And then there are other things that are a bit more fancy. There's buzzy bees, there's, you know, cold packs, there's all kinds of things that you can use to actually take a child's attention away from the fact that something is happening. They think, oh, that's a really cold thing on my leg. And at the same time, they're getting the vaccine. So holding is important, yes, but the number one tip I would give is distraction. Uh, so great. And I great. really, I had no idea that little kids could get that sick. I had no idea that the flu could put a kid in intensive care or, or, or possibly be, be fatal. And so yeah. uh, that's good to know. Yeah. So if, you, yeah, if you're sick of thinking about vaccines, do just take one more minute to think about the flu vax and get that done, get it done soon.
Amazing to speak to you today. Thank you so much. And uh, because of this stethoscope, I believe everything you say. Uh, fair <laughs> enough. I don't even know if you're a real doctor, but there's a stethoscope. So therefore, everything you said is- Yeah, right. I, I'm, yeah I'm, I'm buying it, Osh. Well, if I come on next time and you're wearing one, we'll know there's a problem, Osher. <laughs> Dr. Anthea, it's a toy one. It's brilliant. Dr. Anthea Rhodes and her team are doing fantastic work at the Royal Children's Hospital in Melbourne, but they don't keep it to themselves. You can get amongst it at rchpoll.org.au. They also have an excellent podcast, Kids Health Info Podcast podcast available everywhere. Uh, Dr. Rhodes, uh, you can pretend you're still talking to us while you're hiding from your four children uh, for as the rest of the day, if you like, but we'll now say thank you and goodbye. <laughs> Thanks so much, Rosha. Great to chat. See you, Charlie. Uh, so great, once again, to have uh, Dr. Anthea Rhodes on the podcast. I mean, not only does she convey information, but she looks the part brought yeah. a stethoscope today mainly just to appease us because we yeah. asked her last time yeah, if yeah. she could if she has a stethoscope could she yeah. wear it and she she's did. doing telehealth all day doesn't need it put it on just for us yeah. like where the kids yeah. i mean she deals with kids all day and then she deals with two middle-aged kids uh but i learned a lot she made me feel a lot better about my airport struggles uh, mm. as the mother of four herself. She's done this many times. I like the saying that getting to the airport is a survival exercise because yeah. that's honestly what it felt like. Like I was so like stressed and frazzled by the time we got on the plane. It's like I did survive that. That was just yeah. like, I mean, you talk about hypervigilance. I've never been more aware of like shifting crowds and, mm. and dangers and hiding spots than than when I was going through the airport. But I think the the one bit of advice that she gave is is a hundred percent correct, which is take more time than you need. The days of just rocking up to the gate with your carry on luggage are gone. And the travel stroller. I mean, in retrospect, Gemma and I had a discussion about that before we left for the airport. We were looking in the boot of the car and I was like, should I take the yo-yo? I'm like, no, no, she's old enough now. She probably won't even stay in it next time I'm taking the yo-yo. I don't even care if I have to strap her in myself. I gaffer tape her to the yo-yo. <laughs> she's staying in there. So next time I have to walk 400 kilometers to get to my gate. Oh my God. Well, it's really worth it. When I learned that the puffers are tough. No matter how you do them, they're going to be tough. And I also learned wildly that uh, Australia, brilliantly, flu vaccines are free for kids between the ages awesome. of six months and five years. And that's a good thing because flu can actually be fatal. So I believe while we've been talking, Charlie's already booked uh, Iona in for her flu vaccine. I certainly have. I've already texted Audrey about it. As while we were talking to Dr. Rhodes, I'm like, we've got to get this done. Like today, <laughs> we've got to get it happening. Yeah. So get right on that. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for recommending the show. Subscribe to the show. Uh, let another dad or a mum dad or your grandparents or kids or whatever, let them know about the show. That's really, really uh, how we grow. Askdadpod at gmail.com and dadpodgram on Instagram. Thanks for being here. And until next time, Charlie. <sighs> Don't touch that. Don't touch that.